Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. In rural Ethiopia, women are more likely than men to collect firewood and cook over stoves that emit harmful smoke. Meanwhile, men are more likely than women to control how household income is spent. Accordingly, men are less likely than women to purchase improved cooking stoves that emits fewer pollutants while cooking. This is the case in rural Ethiopia and also across rural communities throughout much of the developing world. My guest today, Dr. Syed Hassan, sought to dig deeper into this phenomenon. He designed what I find to be a truly inventive field experiment to uncover the willingness of men versus the willingness of women to pay for an improved cook stove. Dr. Syed Hassan is a research fellow at the Ethiopian Policy Studies Institute, a think tank in Ethiopia, and he discusses his experiment and the very big policy implications of his findings. We also discuss a related experiment in which he tested various methods to increase the willingness of rural households to pay for solar lighting. Today's episode is part of a series of episodes that showcase the research and work of the Sustainable Energy Transitions Initiative, SETI. SETI is an interdisciplinary global collaborative that aims to foster research on energy access and energy transitions in low- and middle-income countries. Currently, SETI is housed at Duke University, where it is led by Professors Subrendu Patnayak and Mark Juland. To learn more about SETI, follow them on Twitter at SETI Energy. And you can find all the episodes as part of this series on globaldispatchespodcast.com. Now, here is my conversation with Dr. Syed Hassan, whom I caught up with from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. The main point that uh, I was interested in finding out in that paper was uh, uh, in Ethiopia or also in many low-income countries, uh, women are mainly responsible for uh, household chores, in particular on collection of food, cooking, and baking. And they are mainly also the ones who are exposed to indoor air pollution and also in uh, other uh, dangers in collecting fieldwoods. So if we introduce uh, a technology that uh, reduces their time and also that reduces emission, 
and women will be the ones who will be greatly benefited. But men in uh, many of the rural areas of uh, least developing country, in particular in Ethiopia, they are not responsible for cooking. They are not mainly responsible for fuel collection. In particular, when we see the, the cooking part, the man uh, doesn't care how the food is cooked. The man only cares whether the food is cooked or not. So the process of cooking is responsible for, for the women. So if, uh, if we empower the woman in, like women empowerment in general is uh, good not only for energy technologies, but also for child development or overall uh, uh, household uh, developments. But in particular for uh, the energy part in rural area, we know the improved stoves or any improved technology from the kitchen side that reduces the smoke and that reduces the fuel collection time. It is called, the, we can call it is, uh, the woman item. So the man, mm. I would say, uh, cares less likely to this technology. And, and so... Women are the ones who are cooking. Uh, yes. They're the ones most impacted by harmful indoor air pollution yes. emitted yes. by um, unimproved, dirty, burning cook stoves. Yes. So can you describe how you set up what I found to be a rather ingenious field experiment to yes. test how to uh, market or promote um, women's adoption of these cook stoves? Just describe your, your experiment for me. Yeah. In rural area, it's uh, the man who, usually the man is by default the head of the household who controls the household income. That's the main setup. So if the household head controls the household, the household income, then it's less likely that the household head will invest on a commodity that is less interested to him. He will invest more likely either to a common household item like TV or light bulb or or to an item which he thinks will be his own uh, job or activity like farming and other activities. So the household head or the household income will have less chance to be invested in this improved stove because this improved stove is assumed to be the woman commodity. So this is the main uh, assumption that I had. And then in order to avoid this, okay, if we create an experiment where the woman will have it, her own income, the husband will have his own income, and also both husband and wife will have also their joint income. So can we prove this, uh, the assumption or the hypothesis I set up? So now we come to the experiment setup, okay? Let's design an experiment where the woman will generate her, we call it her income, the husband, his income, and both will generate income. We call it this household income. So I'm expecting that the joint income, the impact of the joint income and the household income are more or less similar, while the wife's income will have greater impact. So we created in that experiment, we created like a, a, a job. It's called, it's a weeding, weeding of uh, in a farm, in a public, in a agricultural extension farm. So we let them to work, the wife individually, 
the husband individually and some households also through random selection to work uh, jointly. And then once they generated these incomes, individual incomes and joint incomes, we also create a design where the wife makes individual decision, the husband makes like different uh, households. Uh, also, where the husband is selected to make an individual decision, some households to make a joint decision. So this is our experiment design. Do you think and, you want? Yeah. And, and so, so basically, you know, you pay these different control groups for, yes. uh, for manual labor. Yes. And then uh, you present them with a choice that they can make regarding the potential purchase of an yes. improved cook stove after yes. giving them some information. Yes. Um, so, what did you find in terms of the difference between um, the how women who had just received this income from their manual labor um, decide to spend it versus men versus the uh, combined household income? So what I find is in general, first women who the the women individual preference is completely different from the either the joint preference or the husband preference. So women are more willing to pay for uh, the women with individual income are more willing to pay who are deciding also individually are willing to pay to buy the improved stove than men who are who uh, get their own income and also make the individual decision. And also I find the joint decision is close to the husband's decision than to the wife's decision. And what one thing I found really interesting about this is how you measured willingness to pay. You basically had them write uh, an amount uh, of money that they would be willing to spend on yes. the cook stove, right? Yes. And then they kind yes. of you randomly selected that. Yes. Can you just describe that that aspect of the experiment? Because that to me is just absolutely um, fascinating. Yes. Uh, okay. With the permission from the regional authorities we because in rural area in Ethiopia, the education level is very low so if you ask them to write their willingness to pay that will be challenging so we printed a clear copy of the, the monies in uh, for the experiment in different uh, notes 10 20 i mean according to the country's uh, number of notes a note with 5 a note with 10 50 and uh, 100 we prepared Beer. this, this yeah. yeah, these notes, and then uh, we, there is one method which is called probably it's more technical. It's called the Baker Deport Marshak method. For non-technical person, what it's like it's a, it's a bidding method. You just bid, and this bidding method is like you ask them how much they are willing to pay for this item, but there are two conditions. For this one, yeah, that you have to inform them, the willingness to pay that you declare there will be uh, there will be random willingness to pay in a in a pocket. A random number will be picked. That number could be greater than the stated willingness to pay, or less than uh, the stated willingness to pay. If the willingness this the picked up the price is greater than their stated willingness to pay. 
then this means they are not willing to buy. So we will tell them even if they are willing to buy, they will not be allowed to, to buy uh, this stock. Even if because it's more than what they uh, said that they would be willing. To yes, pay but for if it. they regret, we will not allow them because we want to tell us their true willingness to pay. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's uh, the, the 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 mechanism. But if it is uh, less than the, the price. Then this means they are willing to pay. Then we ask them; they they can buy. Mm-hmm. And, and so, what what did you find out? What were your results from this? Yeah, as I stated earlier, our results implies that uh, women who are making decision individually, who are empowered with income, are more willing to pay for this improved stuff than uh, women who are either making jointly with the husband or the husband's decision. So which means women, if we empower women, then we will get uh, this improved stuff in the kitchen of uh, uh, women, in the kitchen of rural households. That's the conclusion. And, and so, you know, still in this region and, and throughout much of Ethiopia, the prevalence of improved cook stoves is still relatively low. Very and, low. And far, yeah, very low. Yeah. Um, and... You know, the harm for dirty burning cookstoves falls mainly to women, as you said earlier. And so it would, I guess one sort of obvious policy implication from your research is that methods to empower women uh, and give them some degree of financial independence will result in a greater demand for improved cookstoves. Is that fair? Yes, yes. And this is uh, when you see this in urban area, usually Women in urban area are empowered because they have they can generate income, they can be employed, more or less uh, they have some income generation mechanism. So they don't wait for the husband to ask for money because they can get they they can take some part of their uh, monthly salary, they can buy it, and they they, they can have some sort of uh, decision power within the, their income. So I think creating job opportunities for rural women could help to to empower and uh, make this technology available. You've also conducted a related study um, on lighting preferences. Yes. Uh, Can can you just sort of describe what were, again, what were you trying to learn with that study? Yeah, the main point that we want to study in uh, lighting is regarding two policies. One, the pricing policy, and then the non-pricing policy. There are two ways there could be many ways, but uh, we, are, we are focusing on uh, the pricing and the non-pricing or soft uh, policies to promote the vision of uh, solar in, uh, in Ethiopia and still in uh, rural Ethiopia. So when we mean by pricing policy, we are in particular referring to subsidy, not uh, taxes. Subsidy means, uh, I hope this term is... Uh, obvious because it's common in many areas about subsidies. So what we mean is because the demand for this technology still rural households, they understand this technology. They somehow probably, we can say, you know, the solar, but the demand is still low. So how do we promote this demand for solar lanterns in rural area in in a remote and uneducated rural areas. So there are two ways. One is to, to 
because if they feel it's expensive, then we have to provide some subsidy. If they don't, this is one one policy, so provision of subsidy, which is uh, common. Usually donors provide uh, subsidies for this uh, solar. So the other way is the soft policy, the non-monetary policy, which is called non-price policy, which is called the information. I call it, we call it information. So if we provide uh, information about, full information about this solar, the benefits of solar in a full package, then probably this might help. So we were looking at one, whether the price policy is better than the information policy or whether the combined effect is policy. So we have... Uh, well, that's the, interesting. So, so, I mean, basically there are two ways of increasing demand for yes. solar lighting. Yes, one yes. is to provide a direct subsidy to households yes. uh, to let them purchase it. The other is to you know explain the benefits yes. of solar lighting uh, and create the demand that way without offering them a subsidy. Yes. And and you're trying to figure out which one works better well, or is there... Yeah, is also right? the some households with a combination of price and uh, subsidy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what, what uh, is important is the subsidy alone is not enough. What we find is provide provision of subsidy and information are important in promoting the solar in in a rural area where income is low, where information is not provided enough. So that's interesting. So so it's not just money that makes the difference. You actually have to sort of convince people that with money plus information, you should, you know, you should make this purchase of Yeah, it's not only also information. It's not also convincing, but also providing some incentive to buy. Well, that's interesting. Like, I mean, thinking about your two studies on on cook stoves and on solar lighting in comparison to each other, um, you know, why are preferences allow- around electricity different than those around, say, improved cook stoves? I would say electricity is a common commodity in the household, and the husband could uh, value also the electricity because. The the lamp with kerosene is different from the 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 light from uh, electricity, so the household will will value it. But with cook stove, it's normally to be believed as a woman commodity, so the husband is less interested. There is more interest from both husband and wife in electricity than in uh, than in improved stoves. So probably promotion of uh, Sometimes you can combine, like if if the household can buy solar or uh, some commodity, then you need to make it like kind of a pack, a package where the husband is more interested, like complementary packages. That mm, that that's is interesting. Some, yeah, that's something that I that I see. So that's interesting. So that's maybe a potential really important policy. Um, yeah recommendation from these two papers is that, you know, you know, as you said, because lighting is considered a common household good, not that exclusively that benefits the woman, like uh, a cleaner burning cook stove, the man who is head of household is more willing to invest their income into it. So if you can combine like a sort of a clean energy package uh, to, uh, to rural households that includes solar lighting and improved cook stoves, you might get a better um, rate of, of, of uptake. Yes, yes. 
uh, is, is, I mean, is the government or any governments in, in Africa or Ethiopia specifically sort of thinking through the issues that way with that specific gender lens? Uh, say it again. So, I mean, are there, um, so is, are there any entities that are taking up that implication that are trying to sell these combined packages to rural households? Uh, the the gender issue is 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 common. They understand it, but there is a less. I would say uh, we have uh, presented our work in so many workshops. We have invited uh, NGOs and uh, government officials in uh, to consider our works. But I would say up to now, uh, I would say less NGOs and less people are considering this option. But probably. Maybe we need to be we need to discuss more and promote more uh, this to the local NGOs and the policymakers. Well, this this podcast is a good opportunity to do that. I think that's, yes. that's interesting. I mean, I mean, that's just like that's kind of the purpose of this podcast is to get these kind of ideas out there. And to be honest, uh, you know, I've I've been uh, I've been around clean cook stoves and and those issues for a long time, having kind of been a reporter covering global development. But I've never heard of this idea of combining uh, the clean cook stove uh, and the solar lighting, clean clean electricity demand in order to um, sort of satisfy the gender um, sensitivities uh, in certain areas. That's really interesting to me. Um, Finally, uh, you know, this episode is, is being produced in partnership with SETI. Can you just uh, discuss briefly your participation with SETI and, and how it's helped you in your work? Yeah, the city is uh, established with, uh, combine, I think, sort of cooperation between the Ethiopia EFD team, the Costa, the I think Chile, Costa Rica, and Duke. I'm not sure about Costa Rica, but I I know Ethiopia is part of the the in the initial establishment of city. But I find city is more interesting because it takes the energy issue more boldly. And it tries to to reach uh, many scholars who are who have worked on uh, energy previously in uh, least uh, in middle and uh, least developed countries, and it creates an opportunity for a network with with people, and also some kind of in some of the workshops they also they invite. Uh, some policymakers uh, from industries like these non-academicians. So it was uh, helpful and uh, beneficial. I have been participated in many of the the SETI meetings. I was uh, actually the I would have given the gold membership. I have I haven't I have missed only once. Hmm. Hmm? Um. Well, that's great. Well, well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, I think uh, uh, I would like to make a statement on SETI. SETI is a very important uh, platform. Uh, so it's uh, it would be good if uh, programs like SETI have been uh, getting more resources to, to go beyond uh, the current uh, setup. Like now it's like uh, an in- initiative. If it becomes like an institute, 
it would be it would be great it will have a greater impact than the current uh, work uh well thank you thank you so much Ted. yeah okay thank you all right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Dr. Syed Hassan and to the great folks at the Sustainable Energy Transitions Initiative. This has been a great series. And again, you can access other episodes as part of the series by visiting globaldispatchespodcast.com. All right. See you next time. Bye.